Good morning, everyone. It's hard to believe, but the new year is upon us. But I want to take a moment and celebrate this past year. This was our first full year with all of you. And one of the things I love to do is go back and reflect on the things that God did to and through us in the past year. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. This new year started off by kicking off our new relationship with Forest Park. We had several different adults serve there in many different ways. We provided several staff lunches for the teacher. We served breakfast to first responders. We got to wrap Christmas gifts. We got to do a few other things as well. A few of you even got involved by doing some reading and some tutoring there at the school. If you haven't gotten a chance to get involved at Forest Park yet, I know that Cheryl Williams, who's been heading up, and then McKenna as she gets here and works with Cheryl, at Forest Park would be excited to find ways to get you connected. This is a school of great need and here's what I feel like is going to happen. God has given us a vision to really reach out with the love of Jesus to the students and the families of this school. But I don't think he's going to give us the opportunity to do that until we get enough people on board with serving there, being willing to go and serve at that school. I think as soon as that happens, the doors are going to go wide open for us to start reaching out to those students and families. An incredible way for our church to impact this community for Jesus. I pray that you'll consider volunteering there as we enter into this new year. Back last May, we hosted a marriage night. Can you believe it was that long ago? We had many couples attend that, and we can't wait to do something again in this new year. I've got some ideas. I'm waiting to see what God reveals to us to be the plan for this year, but we're excited about it. We had more than 100 different students attend VBS this year. More than 60 different adult adults help out throughout the week. We were able to collect more than $600 from the students, and when you combine that with the offering uh, that the admissions team kicked in as well, more than $1,200 went to Damu Christian Mission in Haiti. Their goal was just $400 to buy a new oven. God more than supplied for that new oven for that mission. We've hired Berea's first ever full-time children's and family minister. McKenna will be here in just two weeks. We are so excited to have her and Jason, Jason joining us, so make sure you make them feel welcome when they get here. Currently, we're looking for our next worship minister. Please be in prayer for that process. We put together a job description. We put it out there now for God to lead just the right person to, just as we did with the children's ministry position. We'll let you know as things develop. In the meantime, please encourage those that are currently leading. This is a this they are volunteers that don't have a ton of time to take on all the responsibilities of organizing all of this each week. It's a lot of work, so please help me in encouraging them during this transition. One more thing that I wanted to let you know about. Something that you've done that you probably are completely unaware of. Last year, during our budgeting process, we challenged the church to do two things. One, to increase the amount we give to missions. And two, to increase the amount that we're saving to prepare for whatever God might have us do in the future. We accepted that challenge. And so as a result, if you don't know, our church doesn't give a set amount to missions each year. We give a percentage of everything that comes in. And so as increase, as, as offerings increase, the amount that we're able to, to uh, fund our missionaries and our local missions goes up. Over the past year, including basically all of this month as well, your contributions to the church have allowed us to donate more than $49,000 to missions. That is an incredible amount for this size of congregation. Well done. But 
I bet God can do even better through us. Our tithes and offerings also allowed us to begin to prepare for whatever God might lead us to do in the future as we've now invested another an additional $25,000 toward the future of Berea. We want to be prepared. When God opens the doors and shows us the direction to go, we want to be prepared and then come to you and say, church, we've been responsible with what you have given and now we're asking you to help us fund this vision that God has given us. I'm so excited for what lies ahead for us as a family here at Berea. Beginning next week, there'll be a four-week journey through the book Too Much. We're asking that you be here for all four weeks because each of those weeks truly do build on one another. In the final week of that series, the author of the book, Dr. Gary Johnson, will be here to deliver that final message as well. And um, this is a a great issue for the church to be talking about. That of finances, uh, this world, and the debt that we've all incurred is wrapped around us in such a way that we aren't even able to give back to God what he truly owns anyway. So we look forward to this series and going through it with you. And at the end of this series, we're actually going to offer an opportunity for those that would like to take the Financial Peace University course by Dave Ramsey, very popular author and radio talk show host, but also the creator of an incredible resource that has helped hundreds of thousands of families at this point in time get out of millions and millions of dollars of debt in their lives. And so be considering that as you'll have opportunities to sign up and be a part of that course later on here in 2020. Can you believe it is 2020? Can you believe that you've almost made it? That date was truly impossible, you know? As few as 20 years ago, it was unlikely that this date would ever recur. occur. How many of you remember the old Y2K scare? Do you remember the computer bug that would wipe out the world? Yes, at the stroke of midnight, the computers of the world, which were programmed in the 70s, 80s, and some in the 90s, would face the calendar as it changed from the year 1999 to the year 2000. You see, those original programmers only used two digits, the final two digits of the year. There was no 19 in front of them. So what would happen? Well, the prediction was that computers would cease to work. Banks would be forced offline. The stock markets would crash. Power plants would shut down. Jets would fall out of the sky. Nuclear weapons would start launching from all the countries that had them. And the world would blow up and pretty much everyone would be dead. And then it didn't happen. (laughs) So consider that as you hear the alarmists of today telling you about this thing and that thing that will destroy us all. Typically, those predictions are wrong. Instead, let's look at some accurate predictions. If we go back to the year 1962 and we take a look at the cartoon series, The Jetsons. Yes, The Jetsons. Um, They had more right than the alarmists of today. And within the show of The Jetsons, we're talking robot servants. Yep, robots have been around for quite a while now. Talking alarm clocks, doggy treadmills. Yes, Astro had his own treadmill. And if you've seen the videos on TV, uh, on the internet, YouTube, there's dog treadmills today as well. Flat screen TVs were all the Jetsons had, and that's all you can buy at this point in life. Video chat sessions, yes, FaceTime existed for the Jetsons. And smart watches were what they wore. Many, many, many people have those smart watches today. But my favorite one, of course, was the automatic vacuum cleaner. Yes, Roombas existed in the world of the Jetsons. I thought it would be fun, though, to actually get some real-life predictions. These are predictions from students, I believe from the state of Montana, in the year 1984. These are junior high students, remember? 1984 predictions about what 2020 will look like. I don't apologize for what they said. They're very honest, and remember, they are junior high students. 
everybody will get fat and lazy because computers and robots will do the work. That was a young lady named Kim, aged 14. A person's microchip, which has his birthday, his history, will all be slipped under the skin in the palm of their hands. Now, that does not exist yet, but I challenge you right now to look in your pocket, or if you're listening on the road, your dash, you probably have a cell phone sitting there. And on that cell phone, you have way more data than just your birthday and your history. We could probably learn about everything we need to know about you from the information stored on your phone that you have entered. Nobody entered that for you. Cameras will be all over the city for the computer to see. If the computer sees robbers or vandals, the computer would eliminate them. Well, probably wherever you are right now, even there here in this very room, there are cameras watching us. They're everywhere. That is true. The eliminating part, well, that hasn't quite happened yet. Robots would cook us supper, make our beds, curl our hair, brush our teeth, and put on our clothes. Obviously, that seventh grader didn't like doing those objects, those tasks in life. Humans are no longer in charge of anything. They do what they're told. If they don't, robots will kill them. Holy cow. There will be robots everywhere watching to make sure humans don't mess things up. Again, remember, these are junior hires, and that was a boy. You're right. In the world of medicine, there will be new medical breakthroughs, such as a cure for the common cold. Well, that hasn't happened just yet. Saving many more people from cancer. Well, we have developed a lot of different treatments for cancer since 1984. And of all things, they listed hair-growing formulas. No, Rogaine did not exist in 1984. And, yeah, it's common everywhere now. They, uh, another prediction about the world of medicine that uh, people would be living for 150 years and there'd be a pill to cure alcoholism, diseases. Interesting. They're thinking on those things. This one's an interesting one as well. If you're familiar with the word of base, world of baseball and everything that's going on at this point in history, you might appreciate this. This is from 1984, remember. The umpire would be a robot so the people couldn't argue with the ump. <laughs> How close are we to having a computerized strike zone to call the balls and strikes? We already review every single play, it seems like, during a game anyway. Another prediction, there would be video sports where we could jump in and actually play with the teams or against each other or sing along with video stars. Well, we've had those things in our Wii's and Playstations and Xboxes for quite a while, haven't we? The world of government. People with big investments, in other words, people with lots of money, <laughs> will have more say in governing the city through big-time politics. I'll leave you to consider that on your own <laughs> in this political season that we're in. The governor will be a wild and crazy old man with a robot to enforce all of his laws and a computer to control all human thought. <laughs> That's an interesting one. I don't even think we'll have a government the way people get away with things now. That was an 11-year-old's opinion in 1984. I wonder what they would think today. We'll work will be mostly on computer hmm. and high-tech machines with a few maintenance people, food service, and other healthcare jobs. Almost all employees will have to know something about computer control. That young lady couldn't have been more correct. Teenagers won't find much work because the computers take control of every fast food chain and gas station in the world. Have you been into McDonald's lately? You can walk right up to the computer and order your food, and you probably pull up to the pump and never walk into the gas station any longer. City life. Automobiles will be silent and geared to flow smoothly from start to high speeds. Huh. Electric cars. Yeah, those exist. Education. Remember, these are junior hires. There are no schools because we voted against it. So all you have to know is how to talk. In other words, this seventh grader wanted to grow up and vote education 
out of power, so to speak. But I wanted to end with this one. Keep in mind, this is from a junior high student in 1984. Now, in 1984, the Apple IIe was the brand new computer of the day. If your school was lucky, you had a few of these green screen monsters. Honestly, the average person couldn't do much on them. I remember playing a little bit of the old game Oregon Trail on our three and a half inch or five and a half inch black floppy disks. I also enjoyed playing Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? How many of you remember those games? But after all, it was just a green screen with a five and a half inch black floppy disk, a 1.02 megahertz processor, 16 kilobytes of ROM, and oh yes, 64 kilobytes of RAM. Yeah, incredibly slow and useless. But here's the thing, those students in 1984 dreamed that this was possible. Listen to their dream. Picture a personal computer at every desk. Every computer would be connected to the main computer in the office. The computers would grade homework and tests instantly. They will even be used to take daily attendance. Have you heard of an e-learning day? This is reality in the year 2020. One advantage of using the computers as education is to reduce staff. Well, that maybe hasn't happened just yet. There'll be one teacher for each department to program the lessons. A few people will work in the main computer room and aides will watch television monitors posted in each room to prevent discipline problems. An interesting thing for sure. Let's pray for our future. Father God, as we enter into this new year together as a family of believers, we pray your hand upon us. We pray for safety. We pray for good health. We pray for prosperity, not just financially, but Father, especially in our growth and our relationship with you, our growth and our relationship with each other, and our opportunities to reach out to the community all around us. Father, we love you. We thank you for allowing us to see 2020, and we look forward to being with you one day in heaven. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last year, at this time, we challenged you with God's word. We, we went to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. It says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for, for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. What has Christ's love compelled you to do? This challenge has lasted throughout the entire new year, but truly and honestly, it will continue on until God calls you home. I'm going to continue to repeat this phrase often. You and I will never become who God wants us to be by remaining who we are today. I spoke with someone earlier this morning that said these words. They said, God loves you so much right now, who you are, as you are. He wants you to come to him right now as you are, but he loves you too much for you to remain who you are today. How have you ch been changed throughout the year 2019? How have you grown closer to Jesus? How have you reached out to others with the love of Jesus this year? How has the Spirit of God moved you out of your comfort zone and into His will for your life this year? There is space in your bulletin for you to write a couple of these items down. But here's what I really want you to do. I want you to reflect on the last year, but just as important, I want you to make a note on your cell phone. Whether you have an Android device or an Apple, doesn't matter. There's a place in, in the Apple world, it's actually called Notes. It looks like a little notepad. Click on that and create a brand new note, title it up at the top, God in Me 2020. 
I want to challenge you throughout the new year to simply type a quick note within that note that you've created every time God reveals himself to you or reveals himself through you. Every time you sense the presence of God in your life, when you feel his call upon your life, when you see his work in your life, write it down. The next year at this time, we're going to reflect on all the ways that God has made himself known throughout this new year. I'll probably send out an email or make and make announcements here in October for you to, hey, just copy and paste that note that you've created and email it to me. Throughout the years, you come across things, go ahead, copy and paste it then. I'll begin a document on my computer this week that says, Christ in me 2020, and I'll begin filling it with the things that you send me, and we'll get to reflect on those incredible victories together next year at this time. Now, as we start this new year together, can we begin by praising God? Back in October, I was reading Psalm 145, and it struck me. The Psalm of David is the mindset that we as individuals and as a body of believers should head into this new year with. Will you join me? Here's what I need you to do. I need you to open your Bibles. I need you to read along on your phone. Whatever you're doing, however you're listening today, highlight this text. Throughout this new year, reference it daily. If you're able, memorize it. Write it on your heart. Out of the 150 Psalms that I read this fall, this one is the one that God pulled off the page and placed in my mind. Now, I did exactly what I just asked you to do. I immediately wrote a note on my phone, and it said this. Use Psalm 145. That's all I put. Now, I'm going to be honest. I saw that note a few weeks later, and I read it, and I said, use Psalm 145. For what? (laughs) See, my note wasn't very specific. But really, I was just playing a trick on myself because I knew if I'd written down Psalm 145 and kind of described it, I wouldn't do anything with it. But because I vaguely put you Psalm 145, it forced me to do something. It forced me to pick up my Bible and open it to Psalm 145 and read it again. My eyes were open once again. Yes, the new year. Let's all face the new year together with this Psalm as our guide. I'm going to read it aloud to you. Please follow along. Highlight. Here's the thing. I'm going to read the entire passage, but I know that there'll be elements, moments, verses throughout this passage that jump right off the page at you. God is speaking directly to you through those specific verses. Feel free to pause at those verses and just absorb them. Think about them. Meditate on them as God speaks to you through those specific verses. I have no idea exactly why God wants this to be our theme in the new year, but I sense there are many reasons, probably different reasons for each and every one of us. How will God use this text in your life in 2020? Psalm 145, beginning in verse 1. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They proclaim your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich 
in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all. He has made all. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and they speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generation. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all that he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all that he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Is there power in that psalm for you? Is there strength in that psalm for you? Is there encouragement in that psalm for you? David sets this example for us. Each and every day we should exalt or lift high our God and our King. Our praises should never end. But we must pass on his reputation, his goodness, his faithfulness to the next generations. Believers, are we sharing our story? Do we see God moving in our lives? When we do, do we stop and give him praise for it? Do we share these things that are happening to us, happening through us with others, both believers to encourage them and those that do not know the love of Jesus yet? Don't ever forget to add that word, yet those that do not know the love of Jesus yet. This passage screams out the greatness of God. The opening seven verses report repeatedly recognize God's greatness. Verse three, great is the Lord so great that no one can truly understand the measure of his greatness. Listen to this phrase again in verse five. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty We don't use language like that anymore. The glorious splendor of his majesty. What does that even mean? As a follower of Jesus, you get to dwell in the glorious splendor of Jesus each and every day. Now for me, when I hear that language, walk with me here, it takes me to a kingdom. It takes me to a castle, a castle with the most beautiful decor you have ever seen. From the grand curtains to the elegant flooring, the beautiful golden chandeliers, the furniture that's too precious to dare sit on, the priceless artwork which covers the walls, the beautiful tile mosaics on the floor. Are you with me? Can you walk down the halls? Can you envision the glorious splendor of God's majesty? My favorite, the dining room. The dining room with the seemingly endless table, with the incredible placings at each one, with the beautiful crystal china, the beautifully folded napkins, the endless table awaiting all who might come to share in the blessing of God's endless grace. The table table settings fit only for royalty, which you and I, as followers of Jesus, are now part of. And if you are a seeker, someone that doesn't know the love of Jesus yet, then 
your spot's waiting at that table. Listen to 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Romans 8, 14 through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you a slave so that you are living in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs of Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. You have a seat at that glorious splendor. You have a seat in the glorious splendor of His majesty. This is who you are to Him. And this is who He is to us. The Lord is gracious. He is compassionate. He is slow to anger. He is rich in love. He is good to all. His compa- he has compassion on all He's made. That common grace that everyone on planet Earth is afforded. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of your glory. Are we telling of his glory, of his kingdom? Are we speaking of his might so that all people may know of his mighty acts and his glorious splendor? His kingdom is everlasting and his dominion endures through all generations. He is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. And he upholds all who fall and lifts up those who are bowed down. As we remember God, we must never forget that he is king. He is a ruler with ultimate power and authority over all. In this world, sometimes we forget about that aspect of God. We focus on his love and his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and salvation. And those are essential and we should focus on that. But we cannot focus on that and forget about his authority and his power and his kingship. He is not a genie in a bottle. He's not some passive deity watching from a distance, casually observing life and occasionally interviewing, intervening Sorry, in the human condition. He is a mighty king with a kingdom that will never end, a, king, a kingdom he can never be defeated. He is perfect in every way. This kingdom is ruled by a king who is gracious and compassionate and thankfully slow to anger or else he'd be mad at me all the time. A king who is completely trustworthy, who will never break a promise, never fail in any way, one that we can fully rely on for all of our needs. David even continues by spelling out exactly how God takes care of those who call on him. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand, you satisfy their desires. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, faithful in all he does. He is near to those who call on him. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. God takes takes care of our physical needs. He satisfies the desires of every living thing. He is completely, perfectly moral. He is good. He is just. He is blameless, honorable, totally, and completely faithful to his word and to those who put their hope in him. He hears our cries in our times of needs, and he saves us, not just in this world, but ultimately from this world and the fate that awaits it. He watches over all who love him. Can you stop with me and reflect on that statement? The God of the universe, the creator of everything, watches over you. David wrote this in Psalm 121. I lift 
up my eyes to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is at the Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. As we enter this new year, Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback in California, the author of The Purpose Driven Life. If you haven't read that book, it's a Great book. I'm sure we have some here at the church. We could loan you. He says this about entering the new year. Instead of entering into the future like everyone else with a question mark, think about everyone that you know entering into 2020 later on this year, wondering about what the future holds, the uncertainty of life. Instead of entering into the future with a question mark, you as a follower of Jesus can enter with an exclamation point. God will be with you no matter what happens. He will help you out. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever, Psalm 23, 6. God's goodness will protect and provide for you. God's mercy, his unfailing love will pardon and forgive you. God's goodness will supply for your needs. God's mercy will soothe your troubled soul. God's goodness will help you. God's mercy will heal you. So what does all this mean for us? Well, it means this, that in the coming year, God has given and will give you everything you need to be who he created you to be. Did you hear that? God has already given you, or he will give you, every single thing you need to be who he created you to be. Not necessarily who you want to be, who you desire to be, who you're planning to be, but who he created you to be. And if you don't already have the things you need, he's going to give them to you at the right time. He has given you all of the resources you need to be generous this new year, as long as you put him first. If we use our resources wisely, it's so timely that we're going to enter right into that series too much next week. He's given you the resources to be generous as long as you put him first. Use your resources wisely. He has given you the time to serve in whatever way you desire as long as you put him first. Long gone are the excuses that you don't have time to serve your Lord and Savior. He has already put the time in your schedule, on your calendar, for you to serve him in this new year if you seek him first. If you seek the things of this world first, you will not have time to serve your Lord and Savior. He has given you the skills and abilities you need to serve others as long as you put him first and their needs ahead of your own. Did you hear that? He has given you the skills and the abilities you need to serve others. In whatever capacity he calls you to serve, he will never call you to serve in a way that he hasn't prepared you to serve. Now, he might prepare you on the job, but he wants you there. As long as you put the needs of others ahead of the needs of your own. Why? Why does God continue to do this? Why does he do it knowing that we probably won't follow through on our end? Well, he does it because he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. 
so that you could not only be forgiven and spend eternity with him in heaven, but so that you could live in this world with the power of God, the love of God, the provisions and blessings of God, with the mercy of God and the goodness of God surrounding you at all times. God did not just die for us so that we could ultimately be with him. He died for us so that we could live with him now. We could exist in his presence now. We could experience his blessings, his provisions, his mercy, and his goodness right now and share those same things with others. Consider that as we begin this new year together. Father God, as we close this sermon out and we read those words from Psalm 145, those inspiring words from David, the Spirit inspired him to write those words so that we could be encouraged today as we enter into 2020. Let the praise never stop rolling off our tongue. Let us be challenged in this new year to serve you, to love you in new ways. Father, don't ever let us use the excuses of time or even resources Father, you have provided all that we need. And if we're pursuing you first, those resources, that time will extend so much farther beyond anything we can imagine. Father, be with us as a church in the next few weeks, months, even years, as we strive to become the people of God that you desire for us to be, as we strive to grow closer to you, as we strive to grow closer to one another, as we strive to lead those outside of this place one step closer to you through the love of of Jesus as we strive to love them one step closer to you. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.